I used to chase the ROI all the time, return on investment. And over the course of time, that has evolved into what I call return on life. Good day, everyone. I've got uh, another amazing guest here on Return on Life podcast. I'm so excited to have Mike Sherrard. And if you don't know who Mike Sherrard is, you're living under a rock, absolutely under a big, big, bad rock. But uh, Return on Life is really not about the return on investment, which is often what we chase. It's about what do we get out of life? And so today I've got Mike Sherrard, number one ranking social media coach on YouTube, not only just, uh, well, locally, because it's YouTube, it's globally. So just an amazing agent, top producing agent in the past, trains over 3,000 agents on a yearly basis and is the number one agent attractor at EXP. Let's call it for what it is. You're the number one recruiter for EXP. And I'm so glad to have you here today, Mike. Welcome here. Thank you, man. I'm really excited about this. Grateful to be able to have the opportunity to do this with you. And again, you know, you and I get the the pleasure of jamming out on a weekly basis. And I'm excited to dive in a little bit deeper and, and share, you know, a couple tips with your audience. Right on, right on. When you hear return on life, ROL, what is what what comes to your mind when you think of that? And I know you've had such a, an amazing run here over the last three, four years, but what does that mean to you when you hear return on life? I think the simple concept that for me that it that really echoes is fulfillment. I think a lot of people are chasing, as you alluded to, return on investment and they're also looking at you know, material goals, and they look at the cars and the houses and this and that and and all of that is cool. But at the end of the day, it's not fulfilling. It's short term, it doesn't give you that sense of long term happiness. And again, I think the return on life is looking at family, it's looking at memories, it's looking at experiences, and you know, what actually fills your bucket so that at the end of the day, you know, when when you're talking, Time comes, you know, the cars and the watches and the houses don't matter, but the memories, the experiences and the way you made people feel is what truly matters. Mm, so true. And I know you like your cars and I know, like, I know you like your watches. Um, maybe you want to share a little bit about that. But more importantly, I want you to share about what you've been doing for your family, because I've been seeing some of the things that you've done for your family, which I know brings you a ton of joy. Um, share a little bit about that. Yeah, you know, I grew up in in a, a point in my life where we didn't have a lot of money, and and you know, growing up, my, you know, I remember my dad would always tell me on my mom's birthday, you know, he would want to get her a gift, and and we had such little money that she would just want to get me an extra treat on her birthday because that was you know all that they could afford. They could never afford both, and I think you know, growing up, I didn't have a lot, but I had a lot in other senses in terms of support and love and all of the things that genuinely matter. So knowing that all through my crazy journey, um, you know, I had these people that poured into me, which is my family, my ultimate goal when I started doing well is I wanted to give back to them to help them understand what that truly meant to me. So for me, I've just got this laundry list of items and unforgettable experiences and memories that I I want to create with them. Because again, you never know how long somebody's going to be around. And for me, you know, I could do stuff for myself and 30, 40, 50 years. That's cool. But for now, let's look at the time that we have with the people that are most important to us and what can we do with them? So, you know, last year, my, you know, my parents went on their honeymoon like 35 years ago to Hawaii and never thought they'd be able to afford to go back. And last year for Christmas, 
took them on a full first class trip to Hawaii, fully expense paid yachts, helicopters, the whole thing. And just to see them being emotional, reliving that experience that they've always dreamed of, you can't put a price on that. And, you know, my parents love Tuscany. So, um, you know, I've got a goal of getting them a rental or a, a vacation property in Tuscany and, and my dad's dream car and fishing trips and all of these things that just bring true fulfillment uh, to the ones that you love. And I think that's what, what ultimately keeps driving me forward on all of the days that I didn't feel like door knocking years ago or don't feel like putting up videos today or being on Zoom calls or whatever. I just think about them and what that feels like when I can create those experiences. And it all stems from doing the right activities every single day, whether you feel like it or not. Wow. Now, you gave me goosebumps, by the way, there. That, that is so amazing. When you can give back like that, and of course, giving makes us feel really good, but when we give back to the ones that have uh, created us and given us life, uh, it, it's even supersized beyond that. Did you have this, this kind of thought, these goals, this obsession to, to do this for your parents um, years ago already? Was this something that just kind of came along as your success came with EXP? Is that something that was already fostering and, and percolating with you? Or is it just something that uh, kind of came as it came? Yeah, it was it, it was always. And I think always is a relative term because, again, like for those that don't know my story and I'm not going to go through it, but like, you know, being bullied and teased and things like that in high school and knowing that my parents were there to support me and lift me up during those times where I felt knocked down and, and beat up, then that was when it was like, okay, I've got these people that are here no matter what. And one day I'm going to get back to them. And it kind of started in high school. And that's why, you know, most people don't even know my first year of real estate, I did break a hundred thousand dollars. I made, I think 125, but because of expenses and reinvesting back into my business, I was left at the end of the year with, I think it was uh, just shy of $10,000 in my bank account. And my dad's dream road bike was a carbon fiber road bike that was $5,500. I went out and I was like, oh my God, I'm not used to having any money. I've got 10K. I went and spent 50% of it on a Christmas gift for my dad because it was his dream road bike, right? And you know, for me, that was my first year in real estate. Every single year, I've just tried to do more and more and more. Um, and I think that all stems from being able to bet on yourself. And I think that's one of the biggest qualities that I've been able to develop over time is the confidence to take on risk, knowing that I will always follow through with my actions and commitments that I make to myself. So when I lost or, you know, spent 50% of what I had, my mentality was great. Now I've got fired to go do more. And, uh, you know, that feeling is is unforgettable. So um, it's always been there. Wow. You said two things there I really want to touch on. One is, um, you know, in the past, there are some things that, that drove you. And also, you bet on yourself. When did you, when did you come up with that? Okay, I, I, I can bet on myself every day. And I have the same thoughts. Give me any task, any challenge and I will bet on myself every time. Uh, when did that thought come into you know, fruition for you that you'll bet on yourself? I think it came in, in university. Um, so, you know, for me, uh, the, the kind of quirky story of my university experience is I went to St. Evex University in Nova Scotia and the engineering program there was the hardest in, in the eastern side of Canada. 
And, uh, you know, I went through and, and made my way through it. And then it's a smaller school. So you have to go on and graduate and finish the final two years at a different school that's bigger, Dalhousie University in New Brunswick, whatever. Well, the options that they gave me was Dal or UMB. My family was in New Brunswick, so I went to UMB. What they didn't tell me is that based on mechanical engineering, none of the credits were going to transition. So I got to my third year university, I get there, thought I had two years left, and they said, no, we don't know what St. of X taught versus what we taught. You're going back and you have to do it all over again. So for me, what happened is not only did I have to go back and start, but I also started getting the entrepreneurial bug. So I ended up taking two degrees in three years instead of the five or seven that it should have taken. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, that's when I learned how to bet on myself because I every single professor that I had said, nobody in the history of the university has done this. It's the two hardest programs in the school. It's literally impossible to get through this. And And for me, when I started being doubted by other people, that's when I said, okay, just watch. And they were all shocked by the end of my three years when I came out as one of the top students with two degrees. Um, So for me, that's where I started realizing, you know, I can, I was doing 12 hours of class, 12 hours of labs. It was like absolute chaos, missing classes because they were overlapping to run to other ones. It was ridiculous. And for me, that's when I realized it doesn't matter what's put in front of you. If you're fully determined and you actually execute like you know you should, doing all the things that suck, not the things that are fun, you'll always be able to get that confidence to bet on yourself. And that's what really started it. So then when I got into to real estate, it was pretty much game over. Wow. You're a mad scientist. <laughs> I guess you could say that. Yeah, the mad scientist, you know, there's this concept of baking and cooking. Both of these things happen in the same kitchen, yet baking is much more of a science, you know, adding the right ingredient, the right time, and cooking is more, well, we wing it. We'll taste it, huh? dab of this, a dab of that, pinch of this, pinch of that. But really, um, now I understand a little bit about how you've had such great success because, you know, being an engineer, my, my twin brother, by the way, is a mechanical engineer and he thinks differently than I do because he makes sure that everything's got A plus B plus C equals you know Z that doesn't work it's where I'm a little bit more of from my heart even though we're twins and we think so much alike but our training has taken us different places so now I, I get an idea of of why you've got such an amazing business and you're so disciplined because of that um, maybe share with our viewers uh, a little bit about your about your business model and, and how it serves you. Definitely. So, you know, I was at a traditional brokerage and, and for me, knowing that I wanted to build this scalable business and knowing that, you know, one day I wanted to impact other people, not just myself, you know, I was I was doing well. I was the top producer in my past brokerage and, and turned a blind eye to this opportunity for years. But again, I was also broke, had no money. So I was putting out videos because that was the leverage I had. I didn't have money for postcards or billboards or bus benches. So I did what I could with what I had, which was free opportunities to get your name out there in a scalable way. And, you know, I was actually at the end of 2019, it was my third year being a top producer, three years in the industry. And uh, I was about to quit and give up my license at the end of 2019. Um, I was sick of chasing the next deal. I was sick of 
you know, in, in, in Alberta, we've got the lowest commission in North America, one and a half percent per side on average in Canadian dollars. And I've got friends in the States closing deals in two days over asking price for 3% USD. And I was getting so frustrated saying, you know, I feel like I'm destined for more. I feel like based on putting in the 16, 18 hours a day, I could be doing better. Uh, but I didn't know what that avenue was. And that's around the same time I, you know, I met my business partner, Connor, and, and started realizing, well, maybe if I open up my mind, because I used to be very close-minded with brokerages, if I open up my mind and look at other opportunities, maybe there's a way to do what I love within this industry, but still be able to scale. Because I loved the content, the marketing, the branding, the advertising, like that was so cool to me. And I did very well with it. But I was sick and tired of always starting January 1st with zero deals and zero business. So when I realized they that there's will nothing try it after 30 years. Exactly. Right. So, you know, I, I, I can't. And that's the thought process is you start thinking long term. If you have 30 more years left, that's that's not something that fills my bucket or makes me excited. So I started, you know, open my mind to new opportunities. And that's when I realized there's models out there like EXP where you can do what you love. You're not just forced to approach your business in one way. You've got a multitude of different ways that you can approach it based on what fills your bucket and gets you excited about life. And, you know, I've, I've always said that, you know, EXP is very much like YouTube. On YouTube, you've got all these creators and the creators that bring the most value, entertainment or education to YouTube are the ones that get the most AdSense or the most revenue every single month. Well, when you look at a brokerage like eXp, you start realizing there's a ton of agents and the ones that bring the most value to the industry get the most in revenue share or residual income. So for me, I just said, well, shoot, I'm already familiar with this style of business. Let's just over deliver on value pour into people, not do what most people do, which is saying, hey, I'm going to tease you a little bit, dangle a carrot, and you have to go buy my program to get anything. Like, no, I'm going to give you their whole program and more for free every single week. And I know that if I do that consistently forever, at some point, it will work out. Amazing, amazing. Talk about Connor, your, your business partner. You know, there's a great book, Who Not How, which I've recently read by uh, Benjamin Hardy. Great read. And uh, it's really made me think about finding the who versus trying to figure out the how. How did you and Connor connect? Because you're, you're like amazing together. Is there a bit of a yin and a yang to that? And, and, and how did that all come about? Yeah, definitely. So, you know, a lot of people uh, presented the model to me and I turned a blind eye to it. And every time that you know they sent me somebody's video and said watch this it didn't answer my questions and i said no and then they would leave and i would never hear about it again and when i met connor i actually had about a thousand subscribers on my youtube channel i wanted to grow so i was out there just messaging anybody i could find on youtube within the real estate space i had a bigger audience than me and he had like thirty thousand subscribers so i sent him a message and he replied and and said you know, basically, have you heard about this model? Have you heard about this opportunity? And I responded to him, basically telling him to pound sand. Yes, I've heard about it all too many times. I'm never coming. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to hear it. But I'd be willing to do content with you. And because I wanted to selfishly steal his audience uh, to grow mine. And he said, sure, no problem. Let's do a collaborative video. Now, here's the funny part that most people don't know. We did a podcast on his YouTube channel. 
and we did it about Instagram and real estate. Absolutely crushed it. He sends me a message the next day. He forgot to click record. So get this. We jump back on and he does his edification introduction, fire me up. And I jokingly said, yeah, it's our second time. Make sure, to, you know, did he click record? He forgot again. Oh and, my. And he, we had to do it a third time. And then after we got through that, we realized like, okay, it actually went pretty well. Um, you know, and then I got him on my channel and it went pretty well. Um, and then we just kept in touch and started realizing, well, we think very similar. If you're over there and I'm not, maybe there was something I'm missing. And then when I started hearing about the opportunity and opening my mind to it, I started, I, I thought, which is the same thing I present to anybody. You've got two options, join, don't join. If I don't join and this guy that I know works just like I do, goes and builds a six-figure per month residual income, knowing I could have done it too, I will be livid if I'm still chasing the next deal. If I join and it doesn't work out, now I've got a story to go share and build my own business. If it does work out, I could have just made the best decision of my life. So when you look at it, there was nothing I had to lose by joining. I had everything to lose by not joining, looking at what somebody else could have done based on us having a similar personality. So that's how things all started is that when everybody else, when I said no and everybody else went away, I said no and he said, that's okay. Let's figure out what we can do, even in separate places. And that's what really led to the partnership that we have now. Very cool. You both are incredible leaders. And, uh, and I see that. Do you have the same leadership style? And let me just share a bit about some of my thoughts on leadership. I think leadership is really not about saying I'm a leader. It's about showing that you're a leader. And I think that showing is through allowing others to leverage you. So you've got some amazing gifts, tools, resources, and allow others to leverage everything that you've learned, taught, done. And then that creates legacy in those people's lives, not your life, but their lives. That to me is the true definition of leadership. Leverage, plus legacy equals leadership. And I see that in you, but maybe share some of your thoughts on leadership because you know, you, you've impacted so many people in such you know, a short period of time. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think you know, when, when you look at Connor and I, and then you look at just myself, I think we, we have a similar essence of our leadership, but we also lead in different ways. Right. When you when you look at it and I'm I'm growing, but and and we'll get to that, but Connor is much more calculated when it comes to others. And what I mean by that is he's very good at duplication. He's very good at taking a step back, looking at how certain decisions affect the masses. Whereas with me coming from the initial top producer mindset, where you only have to care about me, myself and I, I was initially kind of like a bull in a china shop where I'm just like, okay, I'm going to bulldoze my way to success. I'm going to make things happen. And then when you start realizing that leadership is about others, you start to have to adapt your leadership position to start to relate to different styles of people, different demographics and, and different um, approaches to business and life. And, you know, so we complement each other really well because I'm very good at growth, whereas that's really not his forte um, in terms of attracting. 
but he's very good at retaining and recruit and duplicating. So I bring people in, he helps retain and duplicate. So now we have similar styles, but in two different avenues so that we complement each other so that there's a lot of consistency around how messages are delivered, but we know how each other fit into the bigger picture. And I think, you know, to circle back about my own leadership, I think the one thing people need to be mindful of is having the humility to want to grow and change, right? And I think... For me, coming into EXP, you know, I had big success straight out the gate because of my discipline and consistency. And, and I was getting a lot of praise and, and a lot of people will let that get into their head and say, well, I must be the king of this and I'm, I'm doing it the right way. It's the only way. And for me, I started looking ever since I joined this company and I said, I still don't know anything right? Like I still want to develop and grow as a person personally in relationships and business and connections. And for me, I'm always every single year trying to become a better leader, adapt to a better style of delivery that could be received by more people and cause a bigger impact. So I think a lot of people really limit what they can do when it comes to leadership, because they reign with an iron fist, they think they've got, you know, the greatest gift to the planet. And they only look from their one lens. Whereas for me, I listen to people like you and Chuck Fazio and, you know, Brent and all these people that are years ahead of where I am and say, what are you seeing that I'm not? Where could I go wrong? Poke the holes in my bucket so that I can fill them and grow and develop. And I think that's what ends up leading to a strong leader over time is that humility to be able to say, I'm, I'm okay. I'm doing a few things right but I certainly don't know everything. And I certainly know that I could be sharper on multitude of different ways. Uh, that's a great response. Uh, you know, there's always things that are gonna limit our success, but I think uh, you touched on, which is being humble. Uh, the moment that we let our, as Brett would say, you know, our, our ego ain't our amigo. Uh, that uh, is the, uh, the recipe for, you know what I call a tiger trap. You know that that hole that's in the in the jungle that you never see coming, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you're you know 20 feet under. So I really appreciate that response. Um, tell us what your daily, your weekly schedule looks like, because I think a lot of people just think, well, it's really easy. <laughs> it's so easy. You know, um, tell us, I, I know you've got a grinding schedule. I know you put in massive hours. You shared 18 hours. Um, there's a saying that balanced life equals broke, yeah. you know, and I know that you put in the time. Maybe share with our viewers kind of, you know, a, a, a week in the life of Mike. Yeah, definitely. So. You know, I've been doing 4 a.m. to 10 p.m. seven days a week for for since 2017, right? Wow. So for, for over six years now. And, you know, I have to say that with a caveat because some people are going to listen to that and say, well, Mike, I've got kids, I've got a spouse, I've got this, I've got that, I can't do that. And my response to that is, you're right, and you shouldn't do that. So for me, I'm very cognizant and aware of my situation, which is I don't have all of these anchors and and physical ties to certain things that, you know, are going to change my work ethic. So for me, I'm doing this by design for a reason because family is everything to me. So I know one day I'm get married, have kids and all of that, and build that life. I just wanted to make sure that by the time that comes, 
I've been able to get to the point where I'm doing eight figures a year, time is outsourced, and I've got the time and the money to be able to enjoy time raising the family, right? Instead of doing what I had to go through as a younger kid, which is, you know, parents traveling to work and trying to do things to make ends meet, can't really spend much time. I wanted to get ahead of that. So what I did is say, okay, I'm aware of my position. Not everybody could do this. I'm fortunate enough to have this view and to be able to do this. I'm going to condense time and do 15 years of work in five. And I'm just going to crank it out so that I can enjoy the future. So for me, um, you know, looking at a, a bit of a daily and a weekly routine, I'm up at four every day, gym by five, back home, seven o'clock, basically showered, protein shake, getting my daily routine going. Um and then my my week is kind of broken up into different categories, if you will. So Mondays and Fridays are where I fully block it off for personal projects or collaborations like we're doing right now. It's a Friday morning, right? So when we look at this, Monday, every day is blocked fully off to work on my own projects. I've got three new things that I'm working on. So I always want to have time to move the needle in my business and work on the next thing. Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, agent calls. So for me, whether that if your focus is agent attraction, if your focus is production, if you're in some sort of different industry, sales, whatever, essentially, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday is for fulfilling business. And it's for prospecting, if you will, getting new business into the pipeline, right? And then Saturday, is all about content. I record every single Saturday. Sunday is essentially prep work for the next week, any remaining content that couldn't get done, weekly meetings with my top partners to prep for that final week. And then the second half of Sunday is going down to my parents' house for dinner. So when you look at it, I like to break out my week into themes. So Monday, Friday, personal, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, business growth or prospecting, weekend content, and then I cycle that. Wow. Structure, bad scientist kind of stuff. I love it. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Um, you talk about getting to the eight figure mark. Do you want to share numbers? Is that, are you comfortable sharing numbers and, and what your life's, you know, what's changing your life financially in the last three and a half, four years? Yeah, definitely. So when I when I joined EXP in uh, April twentieth of twenty twenty, uh, that next twelve months, my income went from three hundred thousand to three point one million dollars in twelve months. Um, and then the next year, I stayed around four million dollars, uh, but my profit went from I think fifty three uh, percent to eighty five percent. So my profit drastically increased. Um, and then this year, by design, I've kept it relatively similar around, it'll probably end up around four to $5 million um, because I've been working on projects. And, it, you know, the big thing for me is this whole year, I'm, I'm not even looking at the income. I'm looking at the foundation. So for me, when I went from 300K to 3 million, I had built a single family home foundation, right? I was hanging on by a thread. I was bulldozing my way through the day. I was just grinding, no systems, no processes, no support, no team, it was all me. And you can get to a certain point with that, but you can't build a skyscraper or an empire on a single family home foundation. It'll implode, right? So for me, all of this year has just been rebuilding the foundation to go to that level. 
brought, bringing on an executive assistant, bringing on another VA, looking at how I'm allocating my time, where I'm allocating it, the projects that I'm creating that are more scalable, more recurring, more lucrative, uh, bigger in, in nature. So this year has been that foundational year where 2024 should be that year um, and going forward where it's consistently uh, eight figures or more. Wow, fantastic. Uh, one question I have on that is, is all this income out of EXP or is it from your coaching as well? I think a lot of people ask that question. How much is yeah. strictly EXP, what would they call it, rev share or equity in the company? Uh, or is it from Definitely. your coaching? 100%. So it's it's a bit of a blend. Um, for me, I say I always say that it all stems from YouTube because it does. Because when people come to my platform, they have the opportunity to partner with me. They have an opportunity to enroll in, in some of my training, or they have a, an opportunity to use my branding agency. So if we look at some of the different income streams, it's a bit of a, a an equivalent blend, if you will, of EXP revenue share, uh, my branding and content agency, and my programs. Um, that will change because as you know on average the re residual has been doubling every single year mm -hmm. um the first year to the second year was astronomical growth and then it starts to double in 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 size but for me it's it's looking at just scalable income streams that are all monthly recurring if it doesn't result in monthly recurring i'm not touching it um and that's where i'm really making a big shift to things that are going to lend itself to that um sustainability and, and exponential growth Cool. Um, you you mentioned that you know when you're that 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 agent before EXP, you're basically building a single family home, and you're kind of winging it or cooking instead of baking, so to speak. What what was that moment that you said, you know what, I got to change this up. I'm going to get really serious about you know uh, the way I structure my life. And maybe maybe your life was structured at that point, but what what was the change? Was it mindset? Was it something, a crucible moment? Like what made that shift for you? So I've, I've always been aware of the fact that your income is a direct reflection of who you've become as an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. And when you started looking at that, like I've, I've looked in, you know, different stages for me to get from zero to six figures in my first year of real estate, you can basically bulldoze that by just grinding right but then to get from six figures where i went from 120k to 300k you needed to start to have lead generation and marketing and advertising and branding so you had to develop new skills well when i went from 300k to 3.1 million with exp what that did is it gave me massive leverage so you had to learn how to create leverage you had to learn how to lead people how to create community how to create culture all of those things, right? But then to go from 3 million to 10 million, I was very much aware that you can't do that alone. You need to build out a team. You need better systems, better processes, more avenues in terms of how people can come into your ecosystem and the different offers they have that meet them where they're at. So I was just aware that I'm not there yet. I haven't become that person yet. So I have to work on myself. I have to work on my business and I have to restructure everything. So that's been what I'm doing, hiring the right coaches and working with the right people to say, okay, let's map out this next phase. And then, you know, you continue to scale from there. But I think, you know, change starts with being honest with yourself. And a lot of people are lying to themselves where they're not where they want to be in business. And it's because they're saying they're putting in the work, but they're being busy, not productive. And when you look at the activities they're wasting their time with, it's not going to move the needle of the business. So I'm just very, very honest on my with myself and saying, 
where do I need to improve? How do I need to grow? And what's the next phase like? Wow. I'm guessing somewhere along the way you doubted yourself too. Yeah, it's, it's, there's been times, but it's, it's also been motivation because. So let me, let me ask the question again. So there's things like doubt. First of all, doubt, I think are just speed bumps along the way or checkpoints to make sure that you're organized, that you, you thought about things. So doubt to me is a good thing and I don't see it negative. So there's that. Then there's fear and fear can be a motivator, a friend or a foe. So maybe I'll just put all that on the table and you can just dissect it. Yeah. So, so the doubt for me came at the end of that third year of real estate. Um, and it was saying, okay, you know, I'm putting in 18 hours a day, every day. I'm saying no to vacations, time with friends, birthday parties. I'm putting out two videos a week, every week for like two, three years. And I'm not seeing a return. Like I was, I was seeing these people that were that seemingly were working less than me and were making a ton more money. And that's where the doubt started settling in. But again, what happened was it wasn't that I wasn't capable of it. I was in the wrong vehicle. And that's where I had to shift my skill set to the right vehicle where I was in, you know, a canoe. I needed to be in a cruise ship. Right. And that's what EXP lended itself and saying, hey, take these skill sets. We're going to amplify globally and give you a bigger opportunity with what you've been able to approve. Right. So for me, I, I talk about this all the time. And this is where some of the doubt comes from with a lot of people is there's a there's a stark difference between tangible and intangible progress. And where a lot of people are looking at is the tangible progress, which is the vanity metrics, the income, the followers, the subscribers, the views, whatever, the agent count, whatever that looks like. For me, the doubt went away when I started looking back and reflecting on the intangible progress that I've made. I'm better at marketing. I've got a stronger brain. I'm way better at communication. I can handle objections. I can connect with people. I know sensory acuity and mirroring and all of these different things that I had developed by putting out content, even though I didn't see the fruit of my labor tangibly. The skill sets that I developed by doing that, the intangible progress is worth its weight in gold. So when I started just changing my thought process around what does success look like and what should I be measuring, you have to learn to measure what can't be measured, right? Which is the intangible progress. And as long as you stack the skills, that's where you get to the point where you can bet on yourself because if EXP imploded tomorrow and the industry went you know, up in flames, I'm genuinely not that you know, afraid of that because I've got the skill sets to say, yeah, I could go in this industry, that industry or whatever, and apply these skills anywhere and thrive. So for me, I look at skill stacking in order to make sure that you become a weapon in business. Wow. That was, wow. Like people rewind that and listen to that again. That was amazing, Mike. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, you talk about no return on the video work that you were doing prior to joining EXP. If, if there's somebody out there right now and they're doing a ton of work on social, YouTube, video, whatever, and they're not getting a return on it, what would you say to them? I would say, you know, there's two things that I genuinely have to say. And, and the obvious one is keep going, right? Uh, but the not obvious one, which is what you need to hear, not what you want to hear, is you have to audit and say, are you being honest with yourself? Because I tell people all the time, consistency is the key with a caveat. You can be consistent with the wrong things for the next 50 years and not get anywhere, 
right? And that's where a lot of people go wrong is they say, oh, just be consistent. But you can put out videos not looking at the data, not actively trying to improve and hone in your skill set, be better at delivery and learn all of the different nuances of the platform, being a student of the game and never get anywhere with your content. So for me, I started realizing, okay, I know this is going to work out in some way, shape or form because I'm I'm not watching Netflix and watching other people's YouTube videos. I'm not even listening to what they're saying. I'm listening to how they're saying. And I became a student of the game. And as long as you become a student of the game with the intent of being unbiased and not saying, hey, I'm special. Why is nobody subscribing? Why is nobody watching? People aren't subscribing or watching for a reason. You're not that good. And I realized I wasn't that good, right? I was... You know, and and that's being honest with yourself, right? You look at every time, and I do channel audits all the time for people, people in my group, people outside of my group. Every single time I pull up their channel and I take a screenshot of their thumbnail and I search moving to, you know, Dallas or whatever that looks like. And I put their thumbnail beside the top three ranking ones and I ask them which one they would click on. They would say the other three. I'm like, okay, well, what do you think other people are going to do? Probably click on the other three. We watch them all together, their video in the top three. I say, which one did you find more interesting? And they said, well, the other ones. I'm like, okay, so you're not that good, right? And this is where people go wrong is they think that they're special or unique and because they've achieved certain things in life that they feel like people should just naturally come to them. But if you're not where you want to be, you just need to get better. And it's just the fact that people need to hear. So for me, I realize one well, putting content out but when I started comparing it to other people, it sucked. And I, you have to have those genuine conversations with yourself in order to improve. I guess that's why you got almost 40,000 Instagram followers and uh, 83, 84,000 YouTube followers, correct? I think so. And I think, you know, the the thing that, that I'm, I'm most proud of is what comes from that, mm -hmm. right? Because without saying names, there's been people at this brokerage, other similar brokerages uh, that allow you to grow and partner with people and, and build global businesses. Some of them have had 180,000 subscribers and they can't grow because of their ego, their style, their, they, they get to a point where there's, they think just because they have a certain amount of subscribers that people just should, should be watching them. They're obligated to watch them um, and they let their influence get in the way. And I think the thing that I'm most proud of is regardless of the size of my audience the the income and the impact that it yields is exponentially greater than most people with similar sizes so for me mm -hmm. i like to look at depth relationships connections people that can come up and feel like they know me at these events and not be hesitant to talk because like you and i talked about before this we're sitting here in black t-shirts hanging out super casual right we're not trying to be somebody that's unrelatable so i think for me the audience size will continue to grow because I'm going to continue to put out and get better, but the depth is where you really win. Right. So true. Who? Okay. So now that we're talking about it, who do you think is the best in the world of what you do besides yourself? Yeah. I, I, you know, I think this is, you know, somebody that I've, I've watched for a long, long time um, before anybody knew it would be Alex Hermosi. Um, you know, I was following his channel when he had 5,000 subscribers before anybody knew who he was, right? And now everybody knows who he is, millions, literally within one year, um, and blew up. And for him, he has gone 
miles ahead of what I've done and been able to deliver value on a completely different realm. Um, but he's a practitioner. He's very intelligent and articulated with what he does and how he says it, but he's very nuanced with different platforms and in, in how to approach them. So for, for that, you know, whether you look at his community or whether you look at a rev share organization, the essence of it is all building community, right? It's just the medium in which they're enrolling in your community, uh, whether it be free, paid, or the byproduct of what we have, he's been the best. Um, and I think, I think that the person that would just fall shy of that would be at my let. Yeah. Wasn't Ed awesome in Orlando? Yeah. And, and I've, I've hung out with Ed in person, spent a lot of time with him uh, one-on-one and, you know, he's, he's a magician with this stuff because he built his business in this way, right? He built it in a multi-level network marketing style of nature. So he understands leadership. He understands compassion, uh, humility, and all of these things that are required to develop a massive substantial organization. And a lot of people will kind of parallel the two of us in a sense where, you know, at this point, I'm not even, you know, 1% of where he is. But when you look at Ed's journey, he didn't go into WFG early. He wasn't one of the top 100, uh, like many people that have grown at EXP, but he blew up when he came in and built momentum and went on to do bigger things because, you know, I was agent 56,700, right? I was not early in this game. Right. I came in after people thought this had had, you know, gone and passed. But I think the one thing that I'm proud of, too, is EXP. I live and buy diet, but it doesn't define me where I think a lot of people go wrong is this is they've put all their eggs in one basket. This is the only basket they've got. Um, and if that basket gets shaken up a little bit or if the industry changes in the future, you're, you're going to be in a tough position. Right. So for me, that's why I'm always looking at how can I serve the greater good of the overall you know, being, um, because there's layers to this and there's also evolution in the industry. Yeah, it's so true. And uh, by the way, you've got you've got a few years to catch up to Ed. Ed's 52. And so I think one day when you're 52, um, you're going to have uh, the bandwidth of an Ed Milet. I just see that happening. So uh, appreciate that. And, and I know you, that won't go to your head, too. <laughs> um, success is really about the people around. We talked about you've got Connor, you've got your family. Is there anybody else that you can say that, you know, this was a person that really was influential? Maybe there's a prof from your, uh, from your, your mad scientist days or something. Is there somebody else that you need to kind of share something about that uh, would help us understand a little bit more about Mike? I think, you know, there's there's always stages to this and, and there's always different things you can take from different people. Right. So like when you look at the fact that I've been in Arte for so long, you know, taking certain things from Ed and Andy, that's been absolutely massive. Right. You know, with my girlfriend being with her before I had money and then being along the journey while I've started creating it. Um, that relationship has has allowed me to develop as a partner and as a man and, and as a contributor um, to something that's mutual. And that's been really powerful for me maturing. And I think, you know, for me, what I look at is, is how can you take different things from different people? So I think, you know, Chuck Fazio has also been another 
big player in in my ecosystem because he's been a great model for business for for relationships for everything mm-hmm. um and he's the type of person that knows people's intentions right and i think that's in in a clouded industry where people see those that are building massive momentum and they're trying to shoot bullets and fire darts and take you down when you align with the right people that know your intentions and know what you stand for there's nothing that can stop you. So for me, I've always taken these different pillars from people and said, is this going to apply to me personally, relationship, business, health? How am I going to do this? George Bryant, my coach, customer journey, that's been life-changing, right? So every year I'm just stacking new people in my ecosystem that add something that complements one of my weaknesses. You know, you mentioned something, um, when you rise to the top, when you're near the top of the, the mountain of whatever it is, there's a lot of arrows coming at you. And, and they're not even facing you. They're, they're coming from behind. And do you, do you feel that? And how do you handle you know, those, uh, those people that just want to take you down? What are your thoughts on that? Constantly, constantly right? And, and you know, it's, it, it's one of these things that I've just I've become familiar with the fact that, you know, practitioners in real respect real right so like when you start looking at this like the reason why chuck and i have such a great relationship and me and another you know a ton of other people have a great relationship is because we're still on the battlefield we're not checked out we know we've we're on a mission to serve the greater good right so you know looking at this model you get people saying oh like they're you know trying to convince people to leave for six months or this that and the other thing i'm like dude if i showed you my calendar i'm two months booked out i don't need to convince people to do anything right like that's that's not even in the realm of thinking, but again, because they see you winning, they're trying to find something to blame it on instead of looking internally and saying, this is an issue with me. So every- but gosh, you're so lucky, Mike, come on. You're so lucky. Yeah, exactly. Right. And I'm like, okay, you well, so- do that. This, this came to you so easy. Yeah. So yeah. like when people are saying things like that, I'm like, okay, well, when I look at your Instagram stories and you're out there on Friday, having a patio beer and I'm in here with my blinds closed in a dark room recording videos. Now we see the difference, right? So anytime that I ever receive a bullet um, and, and I hear it from this, that, and the other person, I just know that that's a reflection of them. And for me, I don't throw bullets at anyone, right? Cause I don't have to, right? I don't look at people that I don't align with. And I think that's one of the most important things is, you know, where your attention goes, money flows and what you focus on expands. So when you look at people like any, anybody that I hear that's throwing shade at what I've done, I I genuinely, I don't follow them. I don't look at them. I've never heard their names before. I have no idea who they are. So I'm like, so you're watching me. I'm not watching who's winning the game here, right? Like I don't follow anybody that's outside of my ecosystem because I just genuinely don't care, right? So for me, that's just an extension of them. And if if you find fulfillment and your hope of a success is by trying to tear people other down, that's very short-sighted. Karma, we know, is uh, you know something at play here. And um, it would be a really miserable life to to live your life having to tear other people down to try and prop yourself up to make yourself feel better. So for me, I just say, well, damn, sucks to be them. Uh, I'm going to keep doing my thing and I'm not stopping. So let's align with people that I don't have to convince about what I'm doing, that naturally weave into my ecosystem and you're good. Done. Okay, we're going to finish off with a little bit of a speed round. That was so good, by the way. So good. So good. So uh, speed round. Fine dining, takeout, 
skip the dishes or home cooked meal? What are you doing? Home cooked meal if it's by my mom. Uh, otherwise, <laughs> fine dining. <laughs> awesome. What is your go to to let your hair down? Uh, I I kind of think I know, but what what do you do to say, listen, I'm just going to turn everything off and let my hair down? What do you do? Yeah. Uh, there's kind of two different things, not really a speed round. So the, the, the current one would be take the, take the Lamborghini out and go for an old fashioned. Uh, but uh, the, the reality, and, and I, I'm excited to get back into this is uh, getting back into mountain biking. I used to mm-hmm. race downhill mountain bikes. I used to ride all the time and there's nothing that allows me to escape than driving to the top of a mountain with no cell service with my buddies camping out overnight and uh, shredding all weekend. Cool. Love that. I love uh, downhill as well. Favorite band? Uh, Favorite band would be Rise Against. Okay, cool. Text, talk, or email? Zoom. Zoom. (laughs) Well done. Well done. Audible or book? Uh, Book. Last question. Bit of a trick one. If you were a scratch and sniff sticker... A scratch and sniff sticker, what would it be? A scratch and sniff sticker. Oh, let me let me think on that. Let me th- let you think. So I love the beach. My wife and I love we're beach people and I love kite surfing. So my scratch and sniff sticker has sea breeze and pina colada. If I scratch it, I smell the sea breeze and pina coladas. Yeah, I, I love that. Uh, so mine would be exactly what i've got for candles all in my house which is uh either vanilla bourbon or tobacco vanilla oh okay yeah awesome awesome strong smells strong scents that punch you in the face yeah. <laughs> mike what a great uh, hour we spent together so many great takeaways uh i'm so honored and proud to know you and to be with you in this great company called exp so thank you so much for joining us and the listeners are gonna, you're going to get so much out of this. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, man. This is, you know, genuinely means the world to me. Again, we're all partners in this and there's nothing more exciting than being able to build with people that are like-minded and, and on the same mission to create fulfillment together. Right on. Hashtag ROL, return on life. Let's go get it. Bet. Thank you.